Thank you, choir. Keith, I'm going to jump from the Isaiah text to the Matthew and then to the Acts. Can you do that? Yep, thanks. Okay, so the Old Testament. Today is baptism of the Lord Sunday, the day when we acknowledge that Jesus went to the Jordan and was baptized. Um, Almost always on this day, you'll hear a sermon about Jesus being baptized. Uh, And I'm not going to do that today. I'm going to instead preach the um, Acts text because I think it has some words that we need to hear. But first, hear this word from Isaiah, the 42nd chapter, starting at the first verse. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him, and he will bring forth justice to the nations. He will, he will not cry or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break. A dimly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be crushed until he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands wait for his teaching. Thus says God, the Lord who created the heavens and the earth and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people upon it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you righteousness. And I, and I have taken you by the hand and kept you. 
I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations, to open the eyes of the blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to idols. See, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Then we go to Matthew, the third chapter. This is the story of Jesus being baptized, as Matthew tells it. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. And then from Acts, Peter makes a speech, and Peter's speech happens in the midst of what is Jane the student. Pay attention to this. Jane is about to take an exegesis ordination exam, which exegesis is looking at the text of the scripture in its original language and in the language we have it, and then expounding on it, explaining it, interpreting it. The book she gets is Acts. Do not be surprised if the text you get is this one. And the reason for that is this is the crux of the whole book of Acts. Because what's happened is Cornelius, who is a Gentile, has a vision. Peter, who is preaching to the Jews has a similar vision. And in his vision, Peter is told, go to Cornelius and teach him about Jesus. And Peter is appalled because good Jews don't mix with filthy Gentiles. But he has had a vision and he hears the Lord's voice and he is obedient to what God says. And he goes and preaches to Cornelius and Cornelius and his whole household are converted and baptized in the name of Jesus. And then Peter says this. Peter began to speak to them, I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all that the message spread throughout Judea beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John announced. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses to all that Jesus did in both Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. 
But God raised him up on the third day and allowed him to appear. Not to all people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm realizing that one of the problems that one has when one does not preach from notes is you can't go back and see what you've said before, which means I can't go back and see what stories I've told you before. So I don't know if I've told you this story before. If I have, humor me. If I haven't, it's a good story and a good illustration of what I am talking about. So once upon a time... Erica got off a plane in Lincoln, Nebraska, and the pilot said something like this, please be careful going home, the snow is really piling up and the roads are going to be dangerous. You might want to check your route before you start traveling. So I, of course, stop at the Hertz counter on the way past and go, hey, are the roads still open? And they go, yeah, sure, go ahead. So I get in my car and I start driving home, the two-hour drive to Axtell, Nebraska, where I was pastoring. And I got about 45 minutes away from the airport and was rear-ended by a semi-truck. Yes, oh. Um, What happened was that I was driving... By the way, there's only one brand of car I ever drive, and there's a reason for that, because it was the one that I was driving when I was in this accident, and the back bumper of that car went right into where the back window was, but the cab of that car remained completely intact. I didn't realize I'd been hit that hard, but the car was completely totaled, and you could tell it when you looked at it. It was in bad shape. And I drove the probably two miles in the blizzard to the rest area, and I stopped. And in the meantime, I called the police and said, somebody needs to meet me here to take a report. This is bad. And we get out, and we're in the common area of the rest stop, and it's me and a sheriff, the truck driver who had hit me, and some other random guy. And we start telling, the truck driver and I start telling the story of what's happened. And this other guy starts butting in. Yep, yep, that's what happened. She slowed down and he hit her. It had to be her fault. Yep, yep, the roads were really bad and there was a truck over there and whatever. I knew full well that... I and a a snowplow were the only people, and that truck were the only people around when this happened. And I finally turned to the guy and I said, where were you? Did you see this? And he said, nope, heard it all on the CB radio. 
And the cop fortunately went, said this, if you didn't see it, you're not a witness. If you didn't see it, you're not a witness. Here, Peter is saying to us, be my witnesses, and he's quoting Jesus. Jesus wants us to be witnesses to all that has happened in the world. And I know what some of you are thinking. I'm not a witness to Jesus. I never saw Jesus. I didn't live 2,000 years ago. I even know people who say things like this. If Jesus would act today, you know, healing and doing miracles and releasing the oppressed from their demons, it'd be a lot easier for me to believe today. If he would do now what he did then, then I could really believe in him. And yet we are being told in Acts from Jesus, be my witnesses. And he means today. So let's think for a minute about what a witness is and how we can be witnesses to Jesus. Because, you know, I've issued this challenge to you to figure out three families, three people that you can invite to Vance and to be a part of Vance in 2020. There was a great video up here that most of you missed because you're staying out there until 10.05. You need to be in here at 9.55. That video you missed was me at Jane's desk saying, look what Jane has done. She put three names on a post-it. She put it up on her desk so everybody can see it. So she prays for those people. She remembers to ask them the things that are happening. She's a witness. But here's what I hear from some of you when when I say, who are your three people? You say things to me like, well, I don't know three people. What you mean is, I don't know three people who don't go to church. And as very churchy people, there is probably some truth to that. So here's two pieces of advice I have for you about that. First one is, some of you just need to get out more. Okay? If you are sitting at home eating bonbons and watching Oprah every night, you probably don't know three people let alone three people who need to know the church and need to know Jesus. Get out a little more. But most of you don't do that. So when you are out and about, be thoughtful about the people you're encountering. Some of you meet Joe Smith and you assume that Joe Smith, because he's always gone to such and such a church, is a church guy and wouldn't be interested in coming here. It's not true. Joe Smith hasn't been in church for 25 years. Right? We know that in soup and stuff, we have some older adults who come, I swear to you, just because they're lonely and they want somebody to eat with. Now, if they never set foot in this sanctuary, that's okay, because we're doing a service for them. 
And there are people like that that we are already planning to invite to the next one we have. Because they need that. I suspect there are young adults that have the same need. Because what I know from ministry is, young adults and older adults aren't that much different (laughs) in their life situations. Be thinking, be thinking outside the box about what people might need and how we might help them and how connecting them might be a service. Look, this isn't about being self-serving. I know a church in this valley who has what they call serve teams. You know what serve teams do? They serve the church itself. They hold doors open. They're the hospitality team. They're the parking team. That's all great. But I don't care if we ever do any of that stuff. Because when you hear that we are a traditional church with spirits serving the community, that's those people out there. Being a witness is serving others who need to know Jesus, need to be in the church. And some of you say this, well, I'm just not good at that. I can't tell somebody my whole faith story. I don't have enough, you know, theology to tell them that. Well, you don't need to. Who taught you that you have to be a theological student to tell somebody about Jesus? All you need to do is tell them what you're doing here. There's a reason why you show up every week. It matters to you somehow. Something that happens here is important to you. I hope it is connection with God an opening of your spirit, a receiving of the Holy Spirit. But even if it's just that we have nice people here who are going to embrace you, you can tell somebody that. It's a witness to what God is doing. Here's the other thing. Uh, There are some of you who say, I'm not doing this. It's not my thing. Forget it. I don't know why you're preaching about it. Stop talking to me. We're not doing evangelism. I'm not interested. Some of you have even gone so far to say, this church is going to be about evangelism. I think I'll try somewhere else. Here's my argument for that. I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm not being smart about this. I don't understand where that comes from. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter here is talking to Cornelius, a guy who has just been baptized and just received Jesus and is so excited, all he can do is get his entire household baptized and tell everybody that he knows about the greatness of the Christ of God And why do we miss that? 
I have been given the greatest gift of my life, the forgiveness of sins, why wouldn't I want to tell everybody about that? I just don't get it. There is, of course, a difference in the kind of witnesses we have. I am thrilled that Barrister McCammick is here today. You can help me, because I know that you have called witnesses in trials before. So help me out. Which one is more trustworthy? A used car salesman trying to sell a station wagon or a a station wagon full of nuns? Right? If you are dishonest, if you break every commandment, if you are shifty, you're not that great a witness. But if you live as a person who knows Jesus, who loves the Lord, who has received the Holy Spirit and knows the greatest gift of all, that your sins are forgiven forever and for sure. And you tell somebody about that. They're going to believe you because you are a great witness. So I'm asking you again, my stars, who are the three families you're asking to advance in 2020? What are the names? How are you praying for them? What's your plan for inviting them? It doesn't have to be grand. It can be as simple as, hey, we're having soup tonight at church. Want to stop by? When Jesus says, be my witnesses, that's for every Jesus follower. You, 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 and me. Thanks be to God. Amen.